Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. And we'll focus on verse 14 through 16, but I want to begin reading uh, back in chapter 4, verse 23. Matthew 4, 23. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of diseases among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all the sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments. And those which were possessed with devils, and those which were lunatic, and those that had the palsy, and he healed them. And there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee, and from Decapolis, and from Jerusalem, and from Judea, and from beyond Jordan. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him. I I read all that, I want us to note not only all that he was doing, but that he saw the multitudes and he wanted to get away from the multitudes for a bit. And so he went up into a mountain and when he set, it says when he was set, not the, the, the multitudes were there, but it says his disciples came unto him. And then he opened his mouth and he taught his disciples saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be broke, trodden down or trodden under the foot of men. And then this is our main passage. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is hit, set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And so, um, as I already pointed out, this discourse was uh, presented to his disciples. If you skip over a few, I believe this is more than just the apostles. If you If you go over to the end of chapter 7, it says, this is where it concludes his message, it says, And it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine. For he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Oh, I believe when it says the people there, um, it could mean that it was more than just uh, what we normally think of the 12 apostles. It was um, those disciples, he had... Before he set aside the 12 disciples, people were following him. Um, before he called the, uh, sent out the 70, he had disciples following him. And so in this, in this passage, we see it says his disciples uh, came unto him. 
And so it's important to note who it is that he was talking to. He was not talking to the Pharisees. He was not talking to the Sadducees. He was not talking to the lost people. He was not talking uh, to um, people who had never um, put their faith in God uh, according to the word of God. He was talking to uh, disciples when he said, ye are the light of the world. He was not talking to the nation of Israel as a whole and telling them, ye are the light of the world. He was talking to uh, save people, and we have to keep that in mind as we consider this passage if we're going to take anything away from it at all. What stands out to me as I read this in, in verse 13, he said, Ye are the salt of the earth, and then in verse 14, he said, Ye are the light of the world. It's such a statement of fact. You are the light of the world if you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, this is a statement that should humble us. With the responsibility, it's, it's almost daunting in a way when you realize the responsibility that has been put on us, when we realize who we are as the children of God. We are the light of the world. What are we doing with that? How much are we masking it? How much are we hiding it? How much are we letting our light shine? And when you realize what God has given to us, when I, re- when I read this and it says, you are the light of the world, I can't help but be challenged and think, am I? Am I really, or am I more of a light today than I was yesterday, last year, the year before? Um, How am I living as a light? He says, you are the light of the world. And to get a little bit ahead of myself, but I just want to point it out. The light of the world was telling them that they were the light of the world. Think about that. It was not the disciples even. If we go back to chapter 4 and we read about all that he was doing, it was Jesus that was preaching the gospel of the kingdom. It was Jesus who was casting out demons. It was Jesus who was doing all of this in a spiritually dark place, the land of Israel. When he came into the world, it was a spiritually dark place. And he is the light of the world. And he's telling his disciples, the light of the world is telling his disciples, ye are the light of the world. And so this is, a, this is something that I really want us to uh, focus on today. Um, the true people of God have a light. I want to consider two things that are not emphasized in this passage, and then we'll get to uh, their truths, but they're not emphasized in this passage, and then we'll get to what I want to bring out from what the passage actually says. Um, the true people of God have a light. It is a reflection of Christ yeah. in us. As Christ was healing the blind man of John 9, he said, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Sometimes it seems like we are not making much of a difference. Uh, from a spiritual standpoint, perhaps uh, it can be compared to when I've flown over, when you fly out of Denver, I've flown up here a lot. And when you fly out of Denver at night, you see all the city lights. You just see all those lights down there. And then as you get up towards Cheyenne, there's like a little tiny little town over there, Cheyenne, compared to Denver. And then as you start going across Wyoming, there will be one light way out there in the middle. All this just pitch black. There will be one little farmhouse way out there. And then you get over the mountains and you'll fly 
for a long time and there's no lights at all. And then you start getting closer to Spokane and the lights start sprinkling and coming back on and everything. And that's how I view that this world is in places where the gospel is, where God's people are. Um, We are the light of the world. And it might seem like we're not making much of a difference, but we are a light in a dark world. And uh, we are to be at least a light in a dark world. Um, But uh, God has always had a light in the world. No matter how dark it has been in the history of this planet, God has always had a light in this world with his people. Uh, Pastor mentioned Enoch the other day. He spoke of uh, Noah is mentioned in the New Testament. Noah is referred to as a preacher of righteousness. Now you want to talk about a dark world. Here was the entire planet. There's about 2 billion people that's been calculated by the time of the flood. 2,000 years and people live in the way they, how long they did and, and repopulating the earth. The earth had probably gotten up to about 2 billion people. And when you think about that, and then you think that there was a man. There was one guy and, uh, that found grace in the eyes of the Lord and he walked with God, as Pastor mentioned. And, and, but he was a preacher of righteousness. He was the sole light. Him and his family were the only light left preaching the gospel, warning people of the judgment that was to come. But it was a light. God has always had a light. But then think about after the flood, after the judgment. That's all there was. Was Noah and his family. And then man began to repopulate, and, uh, but they were lights in this world, and, the, and his family, his descendants that, that believed in his God and followed God and believed God, you ended up with people like Job. You ended up with who was before Moses. You, there were godly people before Abraham ever saw the light of day. Um, and so um, the thing is, is there has always been a light in this world, and now it's our responsibility to be lights in this world, no matter how dark the days got in the times of Israel and Judah, there were some dark days in the times of the judges. There were some dark times in the days after uh, Solomon and uh, after the nation was split into the tribes of Israel and then Judah. And, uh, but there was always somebody like Elisha. There was always an Elijah. There was always the, um, those who refused to bow the knee to Baal. And so God has always had his people. And then even when Israel was carried into captivity in Babylon, was Daniel a light in this world? We've studied how he had such an impact. One man had such an impact. And uh, what about Esther? Was she a light in this world? And so young people, Daniel was a teenager when he went into Babylon. Esther was a teenager. God used Josiah as a teenager. I mean, Some of the lights in this world have been young people. And so, but God has always had a light in this world. And so he's telling his disciples here, the light of the world was with man for a short time during Jesus' earthly ministry. But God's always had a light. This, my whole point is that this concept of us being God's people, being the light of the world is not something new. It didn't just come about since Christ rose from the dead. It didn't just come about with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. He's telling them during his life, here when he's preaching at the beginning of his ministry, he's telling his disciples, ye are the light of the world. Isn't that an amazing thing to consider, isn't it? And so um, I want to consider how we are, how are we a light in the world? Now this is not in this passage yet, Um I will get to what's actually in this passage shortly, but I want to consider this. 
We are a light by the gospel message that we preach. Just as Noah was a preacher of righteousness, we are preachers, should be preachers of righteousness. Colossians 1 says this in verse 21, For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Preaching is God, the choice of God as the method of getting the gospel out. Um, so that people can see the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, God has chosen you and I to be his witnesses. Uh, John 1 says this, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. We also, John was just a man. He had a special mission. But we also are to bear witness of that light. Uh, Colossians 4 says this, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. And then notice this, Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. And he goes on, he says, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. When we preach Christ, our light is shining. And so um, that's one of the main things that we are to focus on. But let's go back to this passage in Matthew chapter 5 and what Jesus was saying. I find this is a very interesting thing. We are to let our light shine. Well, let me just read this verse. He says in 16, Let your light so shine before men, It doesn't say, so they may hear your gospel. It says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. I want to consider this. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. I like what John Gill had to say about this. He said, that they may see your good works concerning this phrase. He says, meaning their zeal and fervency, their plainness and openness, their sincerity and faithfulness. This really runs parallel to what pastor's been teaching. Uh, As I was looking at this, I was like, this really runs parallel to Romans 12 and what he's been talking about, how we should be in the church. And he says, uh, um, their sincerity and faithfulness, their integrity, their courage and intrepidity, um, their diligence, industry, indefatigableness, I guess that's how you say that, Um, in preaching the gospel, their strict regard to truth, the honor of Christ, and the good of souls, as also their very great care and concern to recommend the doctrines of grace by their example in their lives and conversations. And so, um, as we see here, he says, let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works. What does it mean to let your light shine? What does it mean to be put under a bushel? Your light be to be put under a bushel. Well, if, you're, if you don't have any good works, and you don't have any activity, and you're not getting out there, and you don't ever talk to anybody, then your light is hid. It's not there to be seen by anybody. If you're not doing anything, then it's going to be really hard for your light to be seen. This passage, this statement has far more to do with our actions 
than our speech. You can, and here's what I mean by this. I have some examples. You can preach the gospel. But if, you're, if you hate your neighbor, is your light shining? If you say you have a desire to see a certain person saved, but you don't really like that person, and you're rude and abrasive to them, is your light shining? No matter how much you pray for that person, no matter how much you might give them Bible verses to read and point out how they're such a horrible person and such a horrible sinner and everything that's wrong with them, your light is not shining. I don't care how much of the Bible you read to them if you despise them and resent them and, and uh, the only reason you want them to be saved is so that you might somehow like them someday. But that's how we can become, isn't it? Oh, if we only talk about God when we're under the influence of something, is our light shining? And you, I've, I've mentioned this before, but you might think that that's an outrageous statement. What are you, what are you, what are you, why are you even bringing that up, talking about, talking about spiritual things and talking about God when you're under the influence? Well, I've had people professing Christians tell me that they've had some amazing conversations. They've just really been able to share the gospel and talk to people about the deeper things uh, from a Christian perspective, after being high on weed and, and other things, you know, it's just amazing how you just connect with people. And No, your light's not shining right. if you smoke a joint and then try to share the gospel right. with them. Your light's not shining if you go out and have a couple brews with somebody and, or, you know, a couple glasses of wine with someone over dinner and you're trying to share the gospel with them. No. Right. Your speech is not really matching up with right, right. what the Word of God has to say. But we as Christians can deceive ourselves and think, of, oh, you know, I really got a good chance to witness to them the other day. And, but you're doing all these, you're partaking in their activities with them. Uh, you've deceived yourself. Your light is not shining as it's supposed to. If you're a habitual liar or misleading, can your light shine? If we live in, more, in immorality, can our light shine? If we joke and laugh and talk about immoral things with our coworkers, and we care about their soul at the same time, we're concerned that they might go to hell. Um, is your light shining if you, the next day, one day you're joking about immoral stuff and the next day you're trying to witness to them? Nah, I don't think your light's shining. Um, if you are doctrinally sound, this might hit a little more close to home, but if you are doctrinally sound... If you are KJV, that's the only Bible you read. You can be Baptist. You can be the right kind of Baptist. I've got to throw that in. Uh, you can believe all of the doctrines of grace, not just four and a half of them. Um, you could be pre-trib rapture. But you don't care about lost souls. Is your light shining? And so, see, without good works, without the good works, all the preaching and all the speech... Your light's not shining yet. It has not yet begun to shine. you got to have the good works. One without the other, and it goes both ways, and I'll get to that in a minute, just in case you think. I started with preaching the gospel, and I'm going to end with preaching the gospel, but Jesus is not talking about their speech so much in this passage. He says, You are the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And so, 
we need to be concerned with our works. And what are, what are we actually doing for the Lord? Consider the opposite also. Now here's the flip side. Good works without the gospel message is also not revealing the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we got a lot of that in religion, don't we? We have a whole lot of charity. We got a whole lot of good works. We got homeless shelters. We've got food banks. We've got all kinds of stuff that's done in the name of, of, of uh, Christianity. Those people aren't a light unto the world. Catholic charities are not a light unto the world. Un, unto the world. They might do a lot of good in the world and they're doing it in the name of Jesus Christ. But that's a dark, dark place. Yes. A Catholic charity is a very dark place. Um, places that do not preach repentance, even though they talk about Jesus as some gospel mission somewhere, if they do not preach repentance, that's a dark, dark place that is actually misleading people. That's not where the light shines. Yes. And so um, good works without the gospel is nothing as well. Um, so let's flip around all the above. Let's go back to our neighbor. Let's say you love your neighbor, but you don't speak of Christ. You might think you love your neighbor, but if you don't speak of Christ, you don't really love him. But let's say you love your neighbor and don't speak of Christ. Is your light really, has it really shown? Um, you treat your coworkers and friends with care and respect, but you're too ashamed to share the gospel of Christ. Is your light shining? It's not shining. And you could be the best employee that they've ever worked with. And they might know that there's something a little bit different about you, but if you don't talk to them and share the gospel, your light's not shining. You could abstain from all drink and drugs. And in fact, you could be a sobriety sponsor. But if you shrink away at the opportunity to tell people where the true source of peace and joy comes from and stability in life, if you don't tell them that it's only found in the, the real light of the world, which is Jesus Christ, you're not a light. And so uh, you can always speak the truth. You could never tell a lie. Even when it's impractical and not in your best interest. You just, you're just one of those people who says, I don't lie. I hate liars. And for whatever reason, you, you just don't lie. Um, but if you never speak of the way, the truth, and the life, you're not a light in this world. Um, if you never commit an act of fornication or adultery and raise perfect kids in a perfect church, remember I'm talking about professing Christians doing these things. If you, if you uh, raise perfect kids in a perfect church, but you never share your testimony of salvation, your personal testimony of salvation, are you a light? Do you, we went over personal testimonies and we, you know, in the last year and so forth and we did a series in Sunday school on it and pastor shares uh, people's personal testimonies on Sundays. Um, this is a huge, huge part of letting your light shine. Letting people know what God has done for you. But if you are all these things um, and you don't preach the gospel, your light's not shining. You can care about lost souls and share the gospel at every chance. Here's the thing. We don't have to be perfect doctrinally. I'm getting back to the doctrinal thing. We don't have to be perfect doctrinally to still be a light in the world. You can, share, you can care about lost souls. A person can share the gospel at every chance. And they can be off on end time prophecy. 
They can only understand part of the doctrines of grace. They can not yet know all of the Baptist doctrine, never even had it presented to them. And they could use a, a New King James or some other version, and they can still be a light in this world. I, think about, go back and think about where you were saved. Who led you to the Lord? And where were you saved and what kind of church? Was it like this church? Was it like where you have arrived to spiritually, doctrinally now? Were those people who gave you the gospel, were they not a light unto you? Right? You don't have to be perfect doctrinally. It is important. But what I am saying is don't discredit the other Christians that are in this world, the other people who have not arrived like you have arrived, because they too are lights in this world. The reality is, as I know for a fact, that most of the people that are members of this church were not saved under the preaching of this kind of a church. But they were saved nonetheless, and they became lights, and the people who preached the gospel to them were lights as well. And so, oh, uh, being doctrinally sound, here's my whole point for saying that, as uncomfortable as it might be. Being doctrinally sound, and I've seen this a lot Being doctrinally sound is not a substitute for living holy. Right? Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. And we, too many times, can be so dialed in doctrinally, and we know how wrong everybody else is, and we don't have hardly any works. We don't witness to people when we're on a job site. We don't witness in the workplace. Our prayer life is in the toilet. We don't care about lost souls. We don't believe in outreach and all these things. And this is the reality of it is that you can't, we need to have both. And um, we can't be too focused on if we're going to be a proper light, we have to have the good works. And we have to, and part of the good works is preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the challenge for us is, challenge for me, as I read a passage like that, and take this personally, as though Jesus was talking to you as you're sitting there. You are the light of the world. And then think about that and be like, am I? Am I the light of the world? And really dwell on, think about that this week. What are you doing to let your light shine? And then I want to finish with the rest of what he says. He says, none of this is for ourselves. He says, let your light shine. He says, ye are the light of the world. And then he says in 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. And it's just a comma that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, not you. That they may, let them see your good works so they can glorify God. Isn't that an amazing thing? And do we not, every time we see a soul saved, do we not glorify God? Every time we see someone who has been saved and then we, and then we five years down the road, ten years down the road, and then we can look at their life and see how they've changed. And we remember who they used to be, or with us, we remember who we used to be. The good works that continues on in the life of a person as he puts on the new man and puts off the old and puts on the new, those good works should give give us 
we don't look at that person and go, man, they're doing such a good job. We look at that person and go, don't we always say, man, it's amazing what the Lord has done with him. Right? I mean, that's what we, we say that all the time. Man, it's amazing how God changed him. We don't say, man, it's amazing what a good job, you know, pastor's doing. What a good job Austin's doing. It's not, man, it's amazing what God has done with him. And how God has changed that person. Because the end result is we are to be a light in this world, but it's only a reflection of Christ. And it's Christ working through us. He's chosen to use us in this way. And so the end result is always that God receives the credit. God receives the glory. And uh, he receives all the praise for taking poor, wretched, hell-bound sinners and transforming that sinner into a saint and child of God. Who now is no longer self-centered self-destructive, but lives a productive life, a caring life, cares more about others than he does himself. The people of God are to make a difference in this world. Make a difference. Let our light so shine and let Christ shine through you. Uh, Consider that word that Christ used. He said, let your light so shine. Right? The light's there. If you've been saved, if you've been born again, the light, Christ dwells in us. We have the Holy Ghost. I know I said the saints in the Old Testament didn't have it, and they were a light, and they were, and God used them. But we, as the people of God today, we, we're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And we can quench the Holy Spirit. The Scripture says, quench not the Spirit. And oh, But we are to let Allow ourselves, be willing, allow ourselves to be used of God. Let your light so shine before me. And don't conjure it up. Don't work it up any more than you can work up your faith, right? Ask the Lord to give you more. Allow what God has already, he's given us the light already. We are the light. Let that light shine. It means get out of the way. Get yourself out of the way. Put God first. And in that way, let your light shine. The light you've been given, let it shine. Let's make it personal for this church. Church, we are, we're not the only, but we are the light of Post Falls. We're just talking about this church. There's other churches. There's other saints of God in this community. There's a lot of lights in this community in their own little way. But for us, we're members of this church. And, oh, uh, think of it this way we are the light of Pulse Falls it's our responsibility to shine for Christ in this community um, and do it together one light over here by itself doesn't make as much of a difference but together as we all come together and then we all go back out into the community and then we come together and we get rebuilt up as a church and we assemble and then we go back out in the community and this church can be a church that shines. He says, he gives this example of a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. In today's fancy terminology, we call that light pollution. <laughs> right? People want to see the stars. And in our HOA, we live way out at the end, end of the road out on Lake Ponderé. And I mean, it gets black out there. It's darker even than Buttonhook Bay because it faces south toward Coeur Lane, But up where we are, it kind of faces the other way. And it gets dark. And the people out there don't want anybody to leave their night lights on at night because it messes up. It's light pollution. And we come out here so we can be in nature and we want to be able to see the stars. So we're all supposed to shut our lights off at night outside the house. 
And uh, um, I tell you what, one little light though, when we leave in that dark of an environment, once you get outside of town, when we leave our porch light on, man, it's like, it's so bright in the neighborhood. It's glancing off the trees across the street and, and um, it can make a difference. But a city, think about a church that is set on a hill as a church. We should be kicking off a lot of light pollution in our community. People should know about, there's a church on Spokane and 12th. People have known, uh, when I came here, and um, I would talk to different people, and you know, people always want to know why I move up when I'm out working on a job or something. It's like, you know, I have a business in Colorado, and we moved up here from Colorado, and well, what brought you up here? You know, especially when I mention I still have a business in Colorado, and they're like, well, why are you here? <laughs> oh, well, I'm also a preacher, and I came up here to uh, uh, be part of a church in Pulse Falls, and um, oh, where's that? And I'll tell them Calvary Independent Baptist. And even if they're from Pulse Falls, a lot of times it's like, it, you know, it's on Spokane and 12th, and they're going, yeah, they know where Spokane is, and the, you know, you know the coffee shop. Oh yeah, yeah, we're the bigger, ten times bigger building on the north side of the street, right? Isn't that funny how people are? Oh, but. People need to know about the church that's on Spokane and 12th. Our light needs to shine, and we need to be out in the community. And let's let the, this city, this community, see our good works that they might glorify God.